tribe this is Eileen your mad yogi who's joining me today welcome to the last part the last um, episode of our mindset challenge the 10 mindsets of a modern yogi so here we go we've touched on um, for a quick recap yeah, I did promise you that we're going to have a quick recap before we talk about the last two, the number 9 and 10. So here we go. Number one of our 10 mindsets of a modern yogi. Yeah, so number one, you know that if you want to keep doing yoga, you can't injure yourself. You need to keep yourself safe. And the best way to keep yourself safe, especially in, um, in asana and vinyasa, the pulses and the flow, the best way to keep yourself safe is to modify. Modify the pulses, modify the flow. Um, there's no reason why you should cookie-cutter yourself into those, um, for lack of a better word, the deep, uh, pulses, the more challenging pulses, yeah? You can always pair it back to, again, for lack of a better term, the easier pulses. Now, don't place a stigma on the terms easy and hard, yeah? You are not lacking in anything if you choose the easy pulses or the shallower pulses. And you are not um, earning any any brownie points or any stars yeah we're not we're no longer in preschool you're not earning any stars if you go into the deep poses or the more challenging poses you have to tailor your poses and your flow to you if you need to stop every now and then to catch your breath during a vinyasa or a flow then by all means stop and rest um, if you want your heart rate to lift up a little bit and sweat a little bit, then, you know, add a little bit more repetition. Again, it's all up to you. It is your flow, your body, you know what is best, yeah? So keep yourself safe. That's number one. Number two, the different styles are no longer important. It is how you feel afterwards. Whether... We all start, we all start um, following a lineage of, of yoga, just like a lot of other schools of, schools of philosophy. There are different lineages in yoga. So you can have Ashtanga or Bikram or Iyengar or Kundalini. Um, you can also do power yoga. Um, what else? And you know what I mean, yeah? All of those um, traditional lineages. But eventually, um, you will be able to, to just tailor your practice, especially if you do practice at home, you'll be able to tailor a practice to what suits you and with, um, with experimentation and with experience and with that confidence in yourself, that you know yourself, you're also freeing yourself from the restrictions of more traditional yoga practices. 
There are so many in cyberspace, me included, wink, wink, <laughs> me included on, my, on our website. There are so many practices out there that you can experiment with. Try them all out, yeah? Try them all out because it does need to resonate with you. So the style, quote-unquote, style of yoga will, um, will no longer be important. But it's how you feel and how um, it resonates with you that's really important. Yeah? That's number two. Number three, you are more amused and interested than annoyed <laughs> by the newer varieties of yoga. Here we talked about um, dog yoga, cat yoga, beer yoga, vino yoga, um, what else? Um, naked yoga, um, rock and roll yoga or, or, or heavy metal yoga, using heavy metal music instead of um, choose your pick, kirtan or, or whale sounds, yeah? There is no... For a lot of traditionalists, yes, it will irk them a little bit, yeah, because we can be very um, protective of the tradition of yoga. But there's really no reason for us to be mad or to be annoyed. There's no reason to, to bring out and do up the packards, yeah, and, and, um, uh, have that, that that mentality, that clicky mentality that, oh, that is not true yoga because you're doing this and that, yeah? That in itself is very unyogic because you're being very judgmental and not accepting. So yoga is all about um, coming as one, yeah? Um, we rediscovering ourselves that all of these different Part of ourselves, whether that's within you in the single being or all of us as, as the human organism, we are all just one and there are different um, phases of us, there are different aspects of us and it's all good, yeah, it's all good, they're all fun. Try them out if you're interested. <laughs> so number four, number four, you are confident to say no if you are being led somewhere you cannot go. Um, this is very strongly evident in, once again, in poses and in flows, yeah? Because sometimes um, the body just won't go into the deep poses. So that self-acceptance and self-awareness is a beautiful thing. And even if the body cannot go deep, your, your psycho-emotional state just went um, level 10, yeah? Because you suddenly realize, I'm happy where I am. And that's, that's a wonderful thing, yeah? And um, again, it goes, then your practice then went beyond the body, the physical, to the emotional and um, mental state, yeah? Or conversely, if, for example, um, when you do some meditation practices and there are different varieties of 
um, meditation practices, and some of them can be confronting. Yeah. If your emotional state isn't ready for that, then say no. I'm not ready for that yet. I'm happy to just have um, a heightened awareness, a mindfulness in in the everyday things that I'm doing, and that's good. Yeah, that's good. You don't always have to plop yourself down in a lotus position and be there for, I don't know, two hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm not saying that you can't benefit from those. Of course you can. But it doesn't always have to be that. You have, uh, like the body, you are, you are welcome and you are free and have the confidence to tailor your practice to say no if it does not suit you. Yeah? So that is number four. You are confident to say no if you think you're being led somewhere you are not ready to go to. Yeah? <coughs> Excuse me. Halfway through. Number five. You realize that the only thing qualifying one as an advanced yogi is realizing that there is no such thing. In the greater scheme of things, we all started as beginners and we will all stay as beginners. Yeah? Don't think that that's a bad thing. One of the biggest plus sides of always having that beginner mind is um, you are free from the ego. Yeah, because the ego can always um, egg us on, can can give this give us that arrogance, that that um, overconfidence, maybe a false overconfidence. Yeah, the ego can also drag us into judgment, judging our, ourselves or judging others, particularly too harshly. Yeah. Um, so having that beginner's mindset um, is, is it's a very humbling and humble um, and compassionate um, place to be in. And as we were um, talking about earlier, when, when we transition from, from a physical practice, um, as our examples went, when, for example, we, we just can't go into a deeper um, version of a pose, or we just can't go into so many repetitions, um, and, and we want to stick to shallower poses and slower, um, more mindful uh, ways of, of pace, rather, of, of flowing, of class, that again gives us um, that deep self-awareness and deep self-acceptance. And for me, that is an advanced practice. Okay, number six. Let's go to number six. Um, to you, modification isn't a bad word. Yeah, to you, Number six is to you, modification is not a bad word. And we already touched on this um, earlier. 
you need to be able to have that confidence to modify your practice to what suits you. Because if you're cookie cuttering yourself into a yoga practice, whether that's uh, a physical practice, an asana and a vinyasa, or a meditation, or even a breathwork practice, or even studying the philosophies, yeah? If it doesn't resonate with you, it's not going to click. So modification is, um, it's not a bad word. <laughs> and in my classes, it's actually encouraged. Yeah. Number seven. Yes, number seven. Some yogis eat meat and that's okay. We do not judge them for it. There's a lot of contention in the yoga community over, um, over this topic, yeah? It's, it's very controversial um, because for a lot of yogis, especially, well, I'll skip that part. For a lot of yogis, eating meat is such a taboo and you're either a vegan or a vegetarian or... Um, Fruitarian, I don't know, <laughs> um, for you to be able to call yourself a true yogi. And in, in my point of view, that is a very harsh judgment because if they, you know, eating meat, eating, no, rather skipping meat is attached, is always attached to the practice of ahimsa or non-violence, or as I prefer to call it, non-hurting. But at the same time, some of the yogis who profess ahimsa and not eat meat in their diet are so um, judgmental over those who do eat meat. And there's a great dissonance there. They don't realize that they are violating the very principle of ahimsa when they don't even bother to ask why the person eats meat. Or to understand that some people just need to, to have um, first grade protein, animal, animal protein in their diets because of an ailment. Or a condition like for myself i am extremely anemic yeah and if i don't have meat in in my diet it's very bad it's really really bad um and i heard from from one of my friends actually she was doing this teacher training with a bunch of other yoga teachers of course and they went out for lunch and she had um she had in her dish had egg yeah and i think strips of, of chicken and one of the yoga teachers there just went off her rocker did a karen look that term up if you don't know that and i do apologize for those whose names are actually karen <laughs> yeah but she just went off and and swore a whole lot and my friend was was 
was trying to explain that she, she needs to have meat in her diet. And this other yoga teacher was just really going off and, and shooting swear words at her and saying that that's all BS and all, um, all, all the iron you need you can get from, from green leafy vegetables. And yes, some of those do have iron and do have high iron like spinach, but it's obvious that, that this other teacher doesn't know that green leafy vegetables with high iron also have um, another enzyme in them. I forget what term, but I did research this up. It, they do have an enzyme in them that actually prevents iron absorption. So there's that catch 22 there. And how many kilos, kilos of spinach do you need to eat to have the same amount of iron that you can get from, from a meat di dish? Yeah, just, just think about that. Um, and that, that uh, um, what's the term? Kind of militant thinking and, and, and heightened emotional response to someone um, eating meat in itself is, is contradicting ahimsa. Yeah? So just think about that. If, for example, you really don't want to have meat in your diet and you think that it really contradicts your, your own personal yogic philosophy and, and yogic principle of, um, um, or around the subject, yeah, then by all means, don't eat meat. But I do invite you to have more compassion and more kindness and more open-mindedness to those who do need to have um, first grade protein in their diet, yeah? And vice versa. If someone berates you for being a vegetarian or a vegan, quietly and kindly explain as well why you don't want to eat meat. It goes, the it goes both ways, yeah? It goes both ways. Number eight. <laughs> that topic always takes a long time to to um, get through, yeah? But number eight, being bring on the creativity, you say. Bring it on. Um, how, how we learn, yeah, as a human species, and, and, and really any animal, yeah? How we learn is, is by doing new things and new experiences enrich our lives. It doesn't always have to be, you know, um, about yoga. Um, pick up a new hobby, read a new book, um, doing creative things with your hands or listening to podcasts, listening to music. Um, it broadens our experiences. And again, it opens our minds to new things and new points of view. Even if you end up not, um, not being an advocate of this new thing, whatever it is that you tried, 
you are still enriched by that new experience and now you have um a, a more a more experience-based knowledge and uh, experience-based knowledge of your choices is what i'm trying to say you can objectively now say no to one or yes to another because you've experienced them yeah so be open-minded and be creative movement is such a nice thing yeah not just for for our physical benefit for but for the psycho-emotional benefit as well it's very cathartic so be open to creativity and experiment in your um, in your yoga practice or in any creative thing yeah now on to <laughs> the topics for the day the last two last two number nine you don't force your practice on others you do not force your practice on others you invite them along yeah some practitioners can't quite get out of the excited puppy face yeah of their love affair um, with yoga and want to drag absolutely everyone into it yeah you're you're so excited that you want your um your friends to do it you want your family to do it <laughs> and but there's a flip side to that so it's either you're that excited puppy and want to drag everyone into it or the flip side is that and again this might be controversial controversial for some it's that clicky sorority fraternity air yeah that some practitioners and studios exude yeah um hands up here who's experienced that when you walk into uh, into a studio or a yoga studio or even just a yoga class in in a health center or in a gym and you really feel it's palpable that they know something you don't and and people look at you like who are you and what are you doing in my yoga class yeah or maybe it's just me who's experienced that i don't know tell me in the comments yeah but um for some reason um this kind of 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 air actually attracts people and that's you know that's fine by all means yeah but yogis um and i do hope my mad yogi tribe um with forward thinking attitudes know that actions speak louder and will attract genuine curiosity and interest yeah actions speak louder than words we, we have heard this for thousands of years <laughs> really um so when when you show what impact yoga has has made in your life people will be curious and and then they'll be interested then they'll be um asking you questions yeah and you invest you invest in another's journey by giving them the time 
to reach that decision by themselves. As we all hopefully know, we can always attract better with the carrot than the stick, yeah? Honey is better than vinegar and all of that. We all know that. Um, and we cannot really drag people along our journey. It's not their journey, yeah? They will need to have their own yoga journey. Um, or maybe they don't want to have that, that um, title of being a yogi, and that's fine. My husband, for example, don't tell him, he watches this as well, but don't tell him. My hubby, um, he is actually a yogi. He may not be a physical yogi, and there are also different types of, of yoga. You've got Hatha yoga, Karma yoga, um, Yenan yoga, oof, Bhakti yoga as well. We'll, we'll cover that in a different, um, in a different um, episode. But while he doesn't do Hatha yoga, which is the physical yoga, he is a yogi of devotion and service. Oh, don't make me cry. But he is that kind of yoga, uh, yogi rather. And again, there are different kinds, different paths of yoga. It doesn't always have to be Hatha yoga. It doesn't always have to be through, through um, the physical yoga. Yeah. Although that is the most popular, especially in, um, in Western countries. Or I think that's not true anymore. That's true for internationally, worldwide. It doesn't matter whether you, your country, you, the country you live in is considered a first world or a third world country. It doesn't matter anymore, actually. Um, but yes, Hatha Yoga, the physical type of yoga is the most popular but there are other types of yoga and a lot of other of people actually follow that path without even knowing it. And again, the title doesn't matter. Yeah. If you have, I actually have a teacher when, when I was still in my yoga teacher training, she said that she considers all parents to be practitioners of bhakti yoga of yoga, the yoga of devotion, all parents. Um, and that really resonated with me. That really resonated with me. Because yes, parents are devoted to their children, devoted to their family. That, that yoga of, of, of love and creating oneness within the family, of wanting your children to, to develop that sense of, of community and oneness um, when they go to school. You want them to have friends. You want them to, to have that, um, that, that healthy social aspect. And we support them in that. Um, and again, we cannot say it enough. Parents are devoted to their children, aren't they? Um, Yes, so we don't need to always have that title of being a yogi, yeah? We all have different paths. 
Now, number 10. Ta-da! The last one. Your definition of a dedicated practice has gone through several revisions. Yeah? Your definition of a dedicated practice has gone through several revisions. Now, we've probably um, started out, all of us started out following the pop popular advice of setting a routine and sticking to it. Yeah, and for a while it was great. Yeah, briefly, very briefly, let's um, touch on the value of repetition. Don't get me wrong, repetition is important. That's how we learn. Yeah, and it goes all the way back from infancy to acquiring new knowledge and skills in our adulthood. Yeah, for example, in my classes, <clears throat> in my classes, I repeat um, the, the mini flows, yeah, the segments of my class, I repeat them at least twice. And I repeat the, the whole class for at least two weeks. And I, I encourage everyone from my studio classes and um, online as well, my cyber friends, my cyber tribe, um, to hop on to my website and take advantage of the free classes there. Yes, you may, you're, you're, um, you are, what's the term? Oh, I am forgetting my terms, my words. You are justified. <laughs> you are justified in thinking that I am plugging. Yes, this is a shameless plug of our free yoga classes, but, and the paid classes as well. <laughs> but um, the point here is, Repetition is how we teach the body, um, the, the muscles, and how we, we remember things, isn't it? We, we repeat things, therefore we remember them, and then therefore it is easier to get into a routine because we, we're not floundering around trying to remember, oh, what's next, yeah? And it also gives us the freedom and the confidence to freestyle. And we are still talking about yoga, yeah? Where um, we have that confidence and that freedom to freestyle. If we forget the next pose or the next flow, just go into whatever your body feels like doing. And we can gain that confidence and that freedom through repetition because we, we, we know what we're doing, yeah? We, we know how to keep ourselves safe. We know um, how to transition safely. We know how to synchronize the breath and the movement as well. And, and we can only get that through repetition. But, but we all know that life happens, doesn't it? Yes, we all know that life happens and we fall out of our yoga routine, yeah? Even though um, we've promised ourselves not to do that, we do fall out of our yoga routine. Even if we've 
done a whole lot of repetition and, and we know that we can do the class even um, without a guide, without one of my videos, wink wink again, <laughs> um, or without, um, without our music, we can just, you know, do one quick sun salutation. Sometimes we still can't because life happens, yeah? Um, things happen. Uh, responsibilities are always there beyond the map. Yeah? And it can be, I know that it can be soul crushing because we feel like we've somehow backslid and are no longer a true yogi with air quotes, no longer a quote and a quote and unquote true yogi. Yeah? Then, after a while, we probably went back to it with a kind of a looser schedule and a looser attitude and label ourselves as a casual yogi. Again, with the air quotes, as a casual yogi. And eventually, though, eventually we realize this. Yeah? Because as we've talked about from, from number one to this number 10, those are illusions. The true yogi, pastoral yogi, not a true yoga, traditional yoga, even the concept of a modern yogi, <coughs> they are all illusions. And eventually, we realize this. Dedication and devotion is not about rigidity. Yeah? It's not about dogma. And um, if I'm being brave enough to say, it's not about strict tradition, yeah? It's trusting that your practice, your yoga practice, will be there when you need it in its many forms, yeah? In its many forms. If you don't have time to do even a 15-minute yoga class, just do some stretches, do some standing lateral flexions, interlace your fingers, lift your arms up, do shallow or deep lateral flexions, do some twists, um, walk yourself into a downward facing dog through a plank pose, of course, yeah? Um, go, go into a plank pose and soften your joints, then go into a downward facing dog or a puppy pose and stay there for a few breaths. And if that's all you can do, that's good, yeah? Um, there's, there's no reason why you have to berate yourself or think that you backslid or think that you're, um, again, um, a casual yogi just because you can't do full classes or just because you can't um, sit for two hours in a lotus pose and do your meditation, yeah? And again, titles, they're, they are just as illusory as all of those um, concepts of what is a true yogi, yeah? Um, for me, like the concept of being an advanced yogi, a true yogi is when you um, have kindness and compassion. And if you've noticed, that is, is 
the theme threading throughout um, our, our mindset challenge. That is the theme. That's kindness and, and compassion. Yeah? Kindness towards ourselves and others. And that's really at the heart of yoga. Yeah? Feeling, thinking, and acting from a place of kindness, from a place of compassion, from a place of empathy. That for me, if we want to, to use titles or to attach titles or to have um, a definition of, of what is a true yogi, it's that. If you have kindness, compassion, and empathy for yourself and for people around you, for your, your immediate family, your friends, for strangers, even for people who annoy the heck out of you. Yeah, <laughs> even for those people, um, even for your frenemies. If you can extend even a bit of kindness and a bit of compassion and empathy towards them, whether you do the, the physical yoga, the breathing yoga, the meditation, and all of those others, for me, you have earned the title of being a yogi. Yeah? Everything else, because everything else springs from that. Yeah? And even the mindset of a modern yogi. And we are done. Thank you so much for being here with me. It, it has been an honor and a privilege to bring this to you. If you have any questions, by all means, um, if you're on Facebook or Instagram, come and join the Mad Yogi Tribe and um, comment, comment on the videos. And let's have a discussion here. If you are on my podcast, um, you are invited to join, join us on Facebook and Instagram or leave me a, a message on Anchor and on the other podcast um, platforms as well. Send me, send me a message and I have enjoyed being with you. And I will see you next week. Bye! Love you. See you next week. Thanks for tuning in to our Mad Yogi podcast. I hope you got something from this episode and I look forward to you joining me next time. If you want curated, practical, and affordable on-demand yoga classes, courses, and other yoga resources, come and join me on madyogi.net. That's madyogi.net. Bye!